welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode number 55, 10 Things You Need to Know Before You Start Self-Publishing, part two of two, coming to you on Tuesday, April 24th, 2018. Now, you may remember, if you're listening to the podcast episodes in order, that last episode, or sorry, last Tuesday, episode number 52, I talked to you about the first of the five first five of the 10 things that I really think that people need to know about self-publishing before they make a decision one way or the other. They wanted to give it a try. They're not thinking that this is for them. Today, we're going to cover what I think are the next five most important things that you need to know. So it's kind of an outline of a book that I'm writing on the same topic, same title, and I'll let you know when that comes out. Um, But in the meantime, it'll give you some ideas about the sorts of things that you should be considering if you are trying to decide whether or not this is something you could do. Okay, so let's get started again with tip number six or item number six. First of all, you will be working with other creative people. There are very few people that I know who write their book, edit their book, create a cover for their book, uh, proofread their book, uh, upload their formatted book, and do all of the marketing, and don't hire anybody to do anything at all. Don't barter with anybody. Don't work with anybody else. Probably you are going to be working with other people. So you'll need to know how some of these other creative people work. Now, you may hire somebody who has, um, say, a cover design business, and they've been doing this for a long time. They've got a structure to how they do things, and you'll need to find out how it is that they are already doing things, how they work with clients, how long does it take them to get started with a new client, uh, how much feedback. Um, can you give on their first ideas? How long does it take them to come up with the first ideas? How long does it take to get to a final cover? How many changes are they willing to do before you're going to be charged more? You'll You'll need to find out what sorts of things that they do as part of their business so that you can understand how best to work with them and so that you can both have a productive, um, friendly, relationship because those sorts of relationships will end up being the the longer term ones, the more productive ones. You don't want to um, not understand how other people run their businesses and because you didn't ask and you don't understand, now you're making assumptions, um, getting upset about things or they're getting upset about things that you're doing or not doing that they need. Okay, so just ask yourself questions about um, what kind of cover designer would you be working with? Uh, How are their normal business practices and Do those practices sound good to you? Um, Are you going to be bartering with somebody? I've done a lot of bartering in the beginning areas of my self-publishing career. And so um, bartering has a tendency because actual cash is not involved uh, to sometimes be a little bit trickier because everybody is um, kind of looking to get something done on their schedule, if at all possible, but maybe the other person doesn't have time right this minute to work on this other thing that they're bartering for. So, you know, things like that are, are different 
kinds of things that you may have to keep in mind. Also, uh, when it comes to editing, what editor do you want to choose? How do they work? How do they charge? Um, do any of these people have a uh, fee structure where it's like 50% upfront and then 50% when your product is delivered? Um, you know, do you understand exactly what they're expecting from you when it comes to payment and uh, delivery of, for instance, when you say to your editor, can you get started on this May 1st, then you, and they say yes, you need to have actually delivered your manuscript to them May 1st. Of course, they might be able to still make a deadline if you deliver it two or three days later, but you have to understand that um, your deadlines affect their deadlines and you are probably not the only client. So you'll need to work within other people's businesses as well. Okay, so there's a lot of things to consider when it comes to are you comfortable working with other people as kind of your subcontractors in a way, um, people who you are hiring or bartering with to do the parts of this business that you either aren't very good at or you feel like it would just be a better use of your time and money to pay somebody to do this part and this part. Uh, and some things it's just a good idea. Um, there are people who are good enough editors to do a pretty darn good job editing their own book, but honestly, um, there are very few people who are going to catch all of their own errors. Um, and I'm talking about proofreading, let alone um, looking at their book and realizing that um, they left out something, um, that a thread is left hanging or something like that. So uh, I always strongly encourage people to find some way to work with an editor, whether it's bartering, cash, or something else. Um, but you need to know, again, how all these different people work. All right, number seven, which distribution channels are you going to use? There are several. There are several big ones, and then there are lots and lots of little distribution channels. So it kind of depends on who you think your target audience is, where you think they probably live. Um, if you have no idea about any of these things, a lot of times I tell people that using KDP Select, which is Amazon's Kindle Direct Publishing, and Select means that you're going... Um, to work only, uh, your books will only be available on Amazon for at least a limited amount of time. Um, so this exclusivity has pros and cons, but one of the pros is, is that if you have no idea really what you're doing and you're learning this whole process at the very uh, start right now, then it will give you an opportunity to just learn how one distributor works at a time <laughs> before you start expanding your distribution to other areas. There are other pros also, and of course there are cons. Do you understand these? Do you know what to uh, ask about the pros and cons of these different distribution channels? Uh, there are some aggregators that that will put your book out to quite a few places, you know, a dozen or two dozen places. Um, but there are some that have some of the same choices. So are you going to use one aggregator for everything? Are you going to use two aggregators? aggregators, uh, say for instance, Smashwords or Draft2Digital, are you going to use one of them for some uh, distribution and one of them for other kinds of distribution? There are a lot of questions that you need to understand that it is a question that you need to make a decision about when it comes to distribution. Um, the nice thing about knowing what questions to ask and asking them and getting some answers is that you can create a plan for yourself for your first book or your next book or whatever it is so that you have 
some things written down, like for the first 30 days, I'm going to do this, or the first 90 days, I'm going to do this. And it's written down, and then it will reduce your stress because you're not constantly remaking that decision. You're not always second guessing the decisions that you've already made. You can just say, listen, I I made the best decision I can. This is what I'm going to do for the next 30 or 60 or 90 days or whatever. And then in the meantime, you start learning more about your other options and your other choices. That's always um, a pretty good plan for just about any new venture, especially something that you're still learning about it as you're doing it. Just do the best you can to find out the information that you know about and, um, and create a plan, write it down, give yourself a deadline. I'm going to do this for the next two weeks. I'm going to do this for the next three months, whatever it is. And then during that time, It'll give you a lot more peace of mind to be learning all the other things that you know that you need to learn about or that you're going to find out that you need to learn about. All right, step eight or um, thing number eight in the 10 things you need to know before you get started self-publishing. Are you interested in owning and running a business? Are you interested in doing businessy things? Because that's what's going to happen. If you're a self-published author, you're going to have a little business. You'll have tax issues to deal with. You'll need to research what sorts of licenses and permits that you need at various stages of your career, um, various areas that you might sell things. Um, You need to know when you do and when you don't need, say, for instance, a business license. Um, You need to know when various kinds of taxes might be due and either learn how to do it yourself or know how to hire a accountant who can help you, who understands enough about this particular business that he won't, he or she won't be steering you wrong. Um, and then you need to be the person who has, you know, sticky notes on their calendar or whatever it takes, reminder messages that pop up on, on their calendar saying, remember, you have this da- tax form due in 30 days or whatever. Um, I have both sticky notes and reminder pop-ups on my calendars because I never want to miss any kind of uh, tax or business deadline. Uh, for one thing, I'm just the kind of person who, um, yeah, I'm quite quite a stickler about things, and I don't like missing deadlines uh, in general, but also um, I definitely don't want to get in trouble with my business because I know people who have gotten in trouble, um, gotten behind in something, didn't pay a tax appropriately. Um, it, it can become, um, I don't want to use the word nightmare too loosely here, but I know some people who have had kind of a nightmare scenario because they didn't understand what they were doing. And there was, um, there were problems. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. So you need to figure out what you need to do beforehand. And there are lots of places that you can learn that information. And here's the question. Are you really interested in learning how to do it? Um, even if you're traditionally published, there's a lot of things that you're going to be doing on your own that you're responsible for. So one way or another, you are going to have to know what sorts of tax issues are related to you and what sorts of changes in tax laws might apply to you and how to find a reputable accountant who understands your business, hopefully even better than you do, especially if you're new. (laughs) Um, There is a lot to be done on the one hand, But on the other hand, like as a percentage of the amount of time that you spend doing your business, it's not horrible. 
It's really not. You just need to be on top of things. If you have these reminders and stuff, then you can keep every everything going and, and not, you know, you, you never want to be that person who on, uh, say, April 13th in the U.S. realizes that they have 48 hours to get their taxes completed and done correctly and turned in, that sort of thing. So, but it is something that I'm, I'm going on and on about because there are people who, this is a big question. Do they really want to do this part of it? Is there any way that you can think of to get around it? Maybe you are doing something where the writing is only a portion of your business and you can hire someone else to do all the businessy things or you have a partner or maybe maybe you're married to an accountant or something like that. Um, so anyway, it's something that you need to keep in mind though because if you just put your head in the sand about it, and again, that's why I'm harping on it because there's too many writers who put their head in the sand about it and now they're even more confused about, you know, interest in penalties on things that they didn't even understand they were supposed to do. Okay, we're going to move on then. <laughs> Point number nine, there are a lot of things to be learning, not just about the business side, but self-publishing is so very technology-based that it seems like there's always, you know, we say there's always something new coming out, but you know, it could happen a few times a year, one year, um, maybe once the next year, something new comes out technology wise that may change the way that you do things. Um, I swear there was one year, a couple of years ago where it seemed like every two to four months, there was some new player in the game who was suddenly changing the way that, uh, self-published authors were doing things. And, um, almost always, you know, for the better, definitely. For instance, when Vellum came on the scene and said, listen, we've got this software that will automatically format your book in a um, readable professional way for both ebooks and then I think it was two years later uh, it was just last year I believe for print that was a huge game changer for people I spent oh probably I gave myself two weeks every book to format my book so that it would come out perfectly as an ebook I used Vellum in five minutes. I had just a sample file. I just wanted to try it. I ran a sample file through it and didn't make any changes to the default settings and hit, you know, create ebook. And in five minutes, I had a beautifully formatted ebook. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally buying this. <laughs> but it did mean that now I had to learn some things. I had to learn how to use this program and not just learn how to do it. Obviously, I could get a, uh, a very nicely formatted ebook out of it in five minutes. But now what are all the things that it does? And what are all of my choices? And now I remember we were talking last week about having a house style guide and a formatting checklist. Well, now I needed to redo my formatting checklist and my and re think my some of the items in the house style guide like am I still going to be able to do this kind of formatting style um, am I going to have to change something as a matter of fact there was something um, vellum at the time of this recording I'm almost positive that it's still true um, they don't yet allow very very small images to be used as scene break you can add an image but it's but it's a large image. It takes up quite a bit of the ebook page or the print page. But um, I was using um, really, honestly, very cute <laughs> little images uh, as the scene breaks for my ebooks and my print books. And they were totally cute. And I really, really miss them. Um, but 
it really wasn't worth just to do that one thing, um, spending a week or two weeks formatting my own book when Vellum could do it for me in a few minutes. So because so many of the things that we're doing in this particular business are so strongly um, linked to te technology, you just need to make sure that you are okay with that. You're okay with learning new software, with being aware of uh, new possibilities. Just because there's a new, better way to do something doesn't mean that your old way isn't perfectly fine. I mean, if somebody comes out with something that I like even better than Vellum, would I switch? I don't know. Vellum is easy to use. I already own it. I already know how to use it. You know, so you don't have to change every time something new happens. But you need to at least be willing to understand that there are probably times when you're going to have to change your methods because something that will, in the end, make your life easier, make your books better, uh, prettier, whatever, you know, things are going to happen. Um, and it's not just uh, that part of the technology, um, you know, like creating your book, but it's also things like um, new laws, like when the new VAT laws uh, changed the way that authors were selling books in Europe. And now that I've moved to Europe, I need to relook into that again. I looked into all the rules to make sure that I was doing everything legally from where I was in the U.S., and I was. Um, now that I actually live in Europe, there's a good chance that I'm, well, there's a 100% chance that I need to look into it and find out what do I need to do differently? Is there anything I need to do differently? What all do I need to know? Because ignorance is not an excuse for not doing the right thing, um, for doing something illegally or, you know, not sticking to the law. Ignorance is really never an excuse. So, there are um, le legal things, technology things, um, new marketing ideas. Somebody will come up with some new idea for how they sold, you know, 10,000 books in a month. And then everybody will kind of get on that bandwagon. And, you know, sometimes uh, the, the idea works as long as not everybody's doing it. But then if everybody does it, sometimes the idea starts working less and less and less until people are like, yeah, I don't know, it doesn't really work for me. Um, and... And even if you come in at the beginning of this amazing, gorgeous new idea that, and you start selling a lot of books, it's going to take you time to learn it. It's going to take you time to follow through on it. Um, so you need to be thinking about um, every time you choose to do something new, it's going to take time away from whatever else you are doing. So writing and other parts of your business. Um, this is not a bad thing. It's just something that you need to be able to plan for. You need to know that it's probably going to happen. And it's just hard to say how often it's going to happen. Um, and are you willing? Are you willing to be the person who's always um, keeping an ear out, keeping an eye open uh, to find out what new thing they need to know about the business? And then the last thing, the 10th the item that I think that you need to know before you get started self-publishing is, do you have the personality? Are you a never give up, never surrender kind of person? If you watch Galaxy Quest, you may be. <laughs> Are you the kind of person who can see learning all these new things, adding more time into your schedule, A, to learn things, and then once you've learned them, you know, that frees up more time, but then if you have to learn something else and it takes some time away again, once you've learned that, of course, that will free up more time. Um, but in the meantime, you have to make sure that you haven't stopped writing. So you really, really need to keep on writing. You need to be the person who can say, you know what? This two hours is my writing time. 
And I can't do business stuff during my writing time because if I stop writing and stop publishing books, then I won't have a business anymore. <laughs> um, there are people who, um, you know, they've got X number of books out and that's how many they have out and they're making things work well enough for what they want to do. Um, they're bringing in you know, enough income, um, or you know, if you're, if you're me, there are other circumstances in your life that might be uh, keeping you from doing as much work or as much writing as you want to do. Say for instance, moving to another country. <laughs> um, but in general, you need to be, make sure that you are a person who is, um, willing and able to say this time right here is my writing time and I'm not going to give it up unless it's part of, you know, my normal schedule. For me, my normal schedule is for a month or two after I finish a book, um, I'm really not writing very much. My brain is kind of cooling. That side of my brain is, is having a, a little mini break, a little vacation, and, um, the more, uh, businessy side of my brain is working on, you know, the book formatting and making sure all the editing's getting done and then the book launch and, you know, more business stuff and marketing and that sort of thing. And then I move back into a place where now I'm on a writing schedule again. Obviously in a situation that I'm in right now, well, obviously for me, my personality, my, my way of doing things, my comfort zone, all these sorts of things, you know, how I do business is not necessarily how you need to do business. How how you run your writing business and your writing life and your writing career is not necessarily how your best friend should be doing it. So, um, also keeping that in mind, you know, do you know how to, um, take advice, pull from it, what is really going to work best for you and not just choosing to put your head in the sand about something that you don't want to do, but literally saying, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm only going to do business on Fridays. So say I only have two hours a day for writing. So I'll write Monday through Thursday. And on Friday during that two hours, I'll do all of my business stuff. I'll do my accounting. I'll keep my accounting up to date so that taxes and stuff um, won't take as long for one thing. Um, I'll do this. I'll do that. Um, other people, you know, they might have um, only on Saturdays they can work. And so three Saturdays they're writing and one Saturday they're doing business and marketing. Or, um, you know, somebody else, they're writing full time. And so the mornings are writing and the afternoons are business and marketing. You know, whatever it is that works for you, totally fine. The question is, can you keep at it? and not let things take away from your writing time unless you have a specific plan for it and an end date to when you'll get your writing time back again. So for instance, again, when I finish a book and I have about two months where I'm really not doing very much writing, certainly not during a, this is my scheduled writing time and I'm sitting down and writing, then I need to make sure that at the end of that two month period, now I'm back at it again. Or because I move a lot, I give myself around a month or so at the beginning of each new move uh, to figure out what I'm doing. Now I have to learn a new language, which is a new thing for me. I used to only have to learn, um, you know, like idioms and colloquialisms and that sort of thing in my new countries because Australia and New Zealand spoke the same language I did more or less. Um, so for instance, I need to put on my calendar a date. I got here on, let me think, the 15th, the evening of the 14th of April. 
uh, to Malmo, Sweden. It's very awesome, very exciting, and very exhausting. Um, I'm doing a lot of language learning and a lot of translation and a lot of Google Translate on websites and trying to figure out um, what's available, what's not available. Uh, my brain is so full of just everyday tasks like, oh, apparently, if I'm getting my information correct, um, in Sweden, they don't have washcloths the way that we have in the U.S. Little square cloths that you, you know, have in the shower to wash your face or wash your body or whatever. Um, I, I asked somebody today at a shop and they're like, yeah, I don't really know what you mean. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, I was walking past sort of a dollar store-ish kind of store. Um, and they had things there from America, things from Australia. And I found a little three-pack of washcloths and I grabbed it right up. <laughs> um, I went to a grocery store to buy liquid bleach and baking soda and white vinegar to clean out the inside of my washing machine because somebody had just unthinkingly closed the uh, front loader washer door. And so uh, there was mildew inside. It smelled really bad. My, I didn't notice it until I ran a load of, of wash through it the first time. And then all of the laundry smelled like mildew. Oh, it was awful. Um, but I got a lot of, a lot of advice from uh, American and Australian and New Zealand friends who suggested these products. And then I went to the grocery store and assuming that we were communicating effectively through two languages. Uh, they do not have liquid bleach here. And uh, I don't think that anybody, I have not found a store in all the stores I've looked at that sells white vinegar. So I ended up buying apple cider vinegar. These are the sorts of things that I'm dealing with. <laughs> I am definitely, remember Sunday's episode, give yourself a break. I am definitely giving myself this break, break in period of, of um, and the reason why I'm telling you all this is because, A, it's just kind of interesting and funny to me, and I think it might be interesting to you because it's of interest to a lot of my friends, uh, you know, what we're doing and what we're experiencing and going through and that sort of thing. And yes, I am working on the new uh, YouTube show, Two Americans in Malmo, and I will let you know, uh, hopefully in the next couple of episodes, that that show is ready to be um, watched on YouTube. But the reason I'm telling you all these details, uh, in addition to it just being fun, is that there is probably something going on in your life. If not right this minute, you're familiar. You're like, oh, I know what you mean. It's like when I blah, 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 changed jobs, had a baby, got married, um, moved, um, went back to college, graduated from college. You know, every time there's some sort of change in your life, a, like on Sunday, you kind of need to give yourself a break, let yourself just take some time to process and, and um, rest. Uh, your brain needs it, your body needs it, etc. But also, um, you need to be thinking about, okay, at the end of the, the end of this rest period is this date or this time or whatever. Um, so I will let you hold me accountable to choosing. I, I really need to choose a time. So I'm thinking 30 days sounds good. May 15th, I don't even know what day that is. I don't have a calendar open in front of me. But let's say that I am telling you that I am going to be, I'm opening my calendar right now. I will let you hold me accountable to restarting the actual writing writing, um, not just blog posts and that sort of thing. Let's see. Um, oh, this is scary to say it out loud. On Monday, May 14th, that is the latest day that I will re-begin writing. Yay. <laughs> And 
Again, this is another reason why it's good to have writers in your life um, because they understand the things that you're going through. They understand the ways that you need to be held accountable um, and that you can hold them accountable. Um, they often, you just need to find the right, the right mix, um, the right mix of the sorts of friends that help you to stay on track without being more pushy that, than you want, what you're comfortable with, or too soft on you for what you really need. So you just need to find the right personality uh, to match up with what you need and what they need and it's the same and maybe it'll only be one other friend or it may be four or five friends or a whole group or whatever. Um, but that group of people will also help you not only with the first nine steps because you'll have people to ask questions. What are you doing? Did you learn this? Hey, did you see this email about this new thing that's happening? But you know, item number 10 here, keep to a writing schedule. That's something that your other writing friends will be able to help you do. And if you don't have any yet, A, uh, Google it, <laughs> Google writers in your area. Um, and B, you've got me, at least for now, until you find, you know, face-to-face -face friends, you've got me. So I will remind you, hey, are you writing? And uh, on, let's see, there'll be a podcast on Tuesday, May 15th. I'm going to have to be able, I'll try not to, um, I'll try not to record it until Monday the 14th so that I can say before I started the podcast recording today, I did put in my writing hours in the morning. Oh my gosh, this is exciting and scary. This is exactly probably how you should feel maybe <laughs> a little excited, a little scared and, um, and just kind of pumped up with energy. I hope this is helpful. Um, I will let you know more as the book progresses and I get closer to getting it published for you. Uh, if you want to leave some comments, please go over to podcast.rightnowworkshop.com forward slash episodes or just click on the episodes tab at the top of the page and uh, scroll down to what I say this episode number was 55. Scroll down to 55 or go back to if you want to um, make a comment on the, uh, the first five of the 10 things, go to episode 52 and leave a comment and uh, tell me what you're thinking. I hope that this is helpful. I hope that you're having a great day and a great week. I hope that spring is springing all around you. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, I am seeing fresh flower, not cut flowers, but like fresh brand new as in just popped out of the ground flowers everywhere. It's gorgeous. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I hope that autumn is treating you well. You've got a little Indian summer if you want it, or it's getting a little cooler for you if that's what you want. And um, you know what? Have a great week. Seriously. Like find something great about your week. Um, get yourself feeling good about life and work and writing, and it will really make an impact on um, on your writing itself, on the amount of time that you probably will spend writing. Um, having a positive attitude really does a lot of good things for us, um, health-wise, work-wise, relationship-wise. So I hope you find something that makes you smile this week, and I will talk to you more soon.